Hi, I'm John Leister, and this is Episode 7 of the Johnny's Way Podcast. Here we go. Lee Hacklin, 1970s private investigator in Don't Pick at That. Her name was Faye Torrance, and I was struggling to maintain eye contact with her. This guy could give Dolly Parton a run for her money. My husband was murdered a year ago. Suddenly, it wasn't such a struggle. I'm sorry. I want you to find his killer. What was your husband's name? Oscar Torrance. He was 31. When you hear about somebody dying and they're the same age as you, it gives you pause for thought, doesn't it? Sure does for me. Do you have the police file? She did. I lit a smoke and she fished a file out of her purse. Would you like a cigarette, Mrs. Torrance? Please, and call me Faye. I lit a smoke for her and flipped through the file. Call me Lee. Your husband was a stevedore? Yes, he unloaded cargo from ships. Forklift operator. He was a hard worker and he took care of me and my kids. I nodded. The union he's in is currently on strike? Yes, for over a year now. The company wants to take away our dental plan. Meanwhile, they're making record profits. Oscar didn't think it was a big deal. He never liked being in the union. He said there were too many communists. She laughed as she wiped tears from her eyes. He thought Joe McCarthy was a hero. I read from the file. Forensics determined that Mr. Torrance died as a result of blunt force trauma caused by the impact of a solid object utilized by a suspect. I put the file down on my desk. He was killed in the men's room. So whoever did it was, if you'll pardon the word, a scab. I don't like that word, but yes, management loved him for daring to cross the picket line. Anybody can walk along the pier. It could have been just some random crazy. The killer didn't take Oscar's wallet. He also had a gold ring on his finger. The killer didn't take that either. His friends knew in advance that he was going to cross? Sure. And they were fine with it? Well, obviously. Can you write down their names for me? She did. Let's play a game. Let's pretend that one of these guys is the killer. There's no way. Just pretend. They were all questioned by the police. They told me they had airtight alibis and they cried during questioning. They all loved Oscar. There's no way any of them did it and the killer would have had to cross the picket line. It wasn't any of the guys on the picket line. They were all accounted for. They were all picketing during the time Oscar was killed. One of the guys, out of the guys who was picketing, who was Oscar's closest friend, if he had one? Ted Smith. He's been over to our house a few times. They almost got into a fist fight over the strike. They fell out. Anyway, he was on the picket line, too, at the time Oscar was killed. The file says he died instantly. At least he didn't feel any pain. That's cold comfort, Mr. Hacklin. Do you have anything to drink in that fridge? Yeah. Do you like beer? I do. Wow, a woman who likes beer. My heart skipped a little. Then I looked at the framed picture of Abby, the girl I was seeing at the time, on my desk. My girlfriend at the time. She your wife? Girlfriend. She's pretty. Thank you. I think so, too. I had one bottle of male ale left. I pulled out two paper cups out of my cabinet and poured the beer. We toasted. To Oscar, I said. That was nice. Cheers. I just recently started dating again. A year of bereavement seems more than enough time. I'm sure Oscar understands, wherever he is. I would. We locked eyes. I sipped some beer and tried to ignore my almost overwhelming wave of arousal. Are you and Abby monogamous? Yes, and I never date clients in any event. Which was a lie. I had a few times and had regretted each one. Okay, how does this work? I told her. She wrote me a check that covered my retainer and a week's worth of investigation. The police failed me, Lee. I won't. She stood and we shook hands. She held my hand with both of hers, squeezed, the pit of my stomach roiled. Keep an open mind, Mr. Hacklin. I loved Oscar, but I'm ready to move on for now. Please bring his killer down to just down please bring his killer to justice. And down the road, well, here's my number. I expect daily reports. Sure. She left. I opened a window, took a deep breath, and a fat spider ran across my floor. I my head hit the ceiling, a la Elmer Fudd. 
bye-bye, uh, B-O-N-E-R, and I'll say for it. After she left, I opened the file again and went through the list of suspects. They all had solid alibis. Many of them had violent criminal records. Assuming for the moment that Oscar was killed for crossing the picket line to set a ter- terrifying example for the other men, the, kister must, the killer must have been paid well. So who had deep enough pockets to pay him and who was motivated enough to have a man killed for the crime of not falling in line? The president of the union. I called a buddy of mine at, at, at NYPD. He did some homework for me. It turned out that the union president had a criminal record. I cross-checked the file to see if he had served time with any of the suspects. As it turned out, he had. Aha, a man named Gary Redman. The next day, I went to his house and knocked on the door. No answer. I put my ear against the door. Silence. I looked around. The streets were bare. I kicked in the door. The place was a mess. There were beer cans and bottles strewn about. Cigarette butts on the floor. I looked around. What was I looking for? I didn't know. Anything. An hour later, I found a hammer. Believe it or not, dear reader, that's... There was what appeared to be dry blood on the business part. I shipped it anonymously to NYPD. Only my friend only my friend knew that I'd illegally obtained the evidence. Here's what happened then. Gary rolled on the president. A plea deal was made and Gary wound up sentenced to prison for 10 years. The president, on the other hand, was convicted of conspiracy to murder. And even though he wasn't the actual killer, he was sentenced to 25 years to life with no chance of parole. After all the dust had settled, Faye one day came into my office. Hi, I have something for you. Okay, she handed me a check. I tried to keep my eyes from falling out of their sockets. How about a cherry on top of that? Lunch, my treat, and after dessert. She licked her lips. Faye, I'm spoken for. You're a damn fool. I've been called that before, but you did a good job. Thank you. Then, I guess this is goodbye. Goodbye, Mrs... Torrance. Okay. Goodbye, Mrs. Torrance. She left. I picked up my phone and called Abby. Hello? You busy? No. I'm holding in my hand a big fat check. I'm going to cash it and then I'm going to spend it on you. Dinner, movie, hotel, whatever you like. Okay? Okay? I love you. I love you too. And that is the end of Lee Hacklin, 1970s private investigator in Don't Pick at That. Thanks for watching and please feel free to join the Johnny's Way podcast on my Facebook group page, Johnny's Way. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, God loves you. Hi, I'm John Leister, and this is episode 8 of the Johnny's Way podcast. Lee Acklin, 1970s private investigator in Deeds Not Words. His name was Romeo, for real, Stewart, and he was a talk radio host, politics mostly. I listened to his show for about 10 minutes and I had to turn it off. The soul can only take so much. Romeo received death threats every day. They were part of the business. Most of them were empty ones, but not this time. Romeo and I were walking down Fifth Avenue. It was early evening and warm. The station Romeo worked for had hired me to be his bodyguard, at least until the lunatic with a record for attempted murder could be found and arrested. The sidewalks were crowded. I looked at every face. Yo, Romeo, you're awesome, man. Thanks. It was easy money. Romeo turned out to be a surprisingly normal guy. He was middle-aged, well-dressed, and fat. How much of what you do is an act? In terms of what I say on the air, I'd say 100%. Am I screaming now? You have to scream when you're in front of the mic. You have to rant and rave and foam. Shrinking violets don't get ratings. In terms of what I say, the actual content, I mean it. I'm in 
American. That's not something I take for granted. I nodded. I wasn't smoking. My hands needed to be free. It wasn't hard, not at all. I looked at it like a break, and it gave me something to look forward to. Romeo, you punk! You right-wing fascist! I reached for my gun. The editorialist jaywalked, and drivers honked at him. Cross at the light, you F-word! F-U! Expletive! We walked. They call me fascist. They call me right-wing. They call me a communist, and they call me anti-union. They're morons, but what do I care? I get ratings. I get advertisers. I get bucks. It's nice not to have to worry about making car payments, you know? I nodded. How did you get started? I was a butcher for 20 years. Two, two decades of coming home with blood on my arms, no matter how much I washed up at the shop. I'd always wanted to try broadcasting. It was always in the back of my mind, you know. But life, you gotta go for your dreams when you're young and don't have responsibilities. I listened to some of these guys at work. I thought I can do that. I can do better. So I made some tapes and I sent them out. I must have sent out a thousand tapes and they were professionally done, but they don't come cheap. I'd started, I started forgetting things like my wife's birthday or I'd remember and all I could afford was some crappy piece of cheap jewelry. She left me. She took the kids, but that didn't matter because they were almost out of high school and hated my guts anyway especially now. I have three adult kids, and they're all communists. Can you believe that? Once they get married and have kids of their own and see how much the government takes from them, they'll see. If you're a communist after 30, you really are a moron. I smiled. I liked listening to success stories. You can smoke when you get home, Lee. Now I'm a celebrity. Can you believe that? Me, a fat butcher who didn't even graduate high school. Can you believe that? I went to my counselor, and he called me an idiot. What kind of counselor is that? I was too chicken, S-word, to report him. Man, that's one of my life's regrets. Well, they'd probably fire him now. Effing right. He was he was in the right job. He had the gift slash curse of the gab. Anyway, I make more money in a year than he will in his lifetime. Probably retired now. And I'm paying his pension. So are you. Does that sound right to you, Hacklin? It doesn't sound right to me, Romeo. I'm sorry. You're trying to do your job. And I can't stop talking, even when I'm not working. It's all right, Romeo. You're good company. Really? That's a swell thing to say. The feeling's mutual. A man approached us. He was tall, taller than me, slim and clad in a long black coat. He wore a black fedora and dark sunglasses, and there was a matchstick sticking out of his mouth. Inconspicuous. Almost missed him. I wondered if he had trouble seeing. His hands were deep in his coat pockets. One of them was futzing around for something. Gee, I wonder what. Romeo pointed at him and talked quickly. He talked with what I imagined was his voice before puberty. That's him, that's him. That's the guy who wants to murder me, and he's actually going to try and do it, that F word. It was exactly what I told him not to do but I forgave him. Most people are not used to this sort of thing. A few are. A few like me. Slouch Hat, whose real name was Ray Nichols, pulled out a butcher's knife. Well, he'd done his homework. Maybe it was intended to be ironic. <clears throat> I shot him in the nose. The bullet destroyed his face and his life. Against all odds, the sunglasses survived. Quality product. Durable. Screams, panic, chaos. Story of my life. I dropped my gun and raised my hands as high as I could reach. A cop tackled me. He must have weighed 250 pounds, all muscle. A lot of cops know me, or they've heard of me, and this one was no different. He looked at my license like there was a huge booger on it. Hacklin, again. Do you think you can go 24 hours without murdering somebody? I would like a cigarette. Oh, be my guest. Smoke, smoke. Allow me to light it for you, kind citizen. He did. I inhaled. Bliss. The sooner cancer gobbles up your lungs, the sooner New York becomes a livable city again. I love cops. There was a stink in the air. I looked at Romeo. He grinned. Sorry, guys. I pooped my pants. And that's the end of Lee Hacklin, 1970s private investigator in Deeds Not Words. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and don't forget, God loves you. And so does Johnny. 
Hi, I'm John Leister, and this is episode 8 of the Johnny's Way podcast. Lee Acklin, 1970s private investigator in Deeds Not Words. His name was Romeo, for real, Stewart, and he was a talk radio host, politics mostly. I listened to his show for about 10 minutes, and I had to turn it off. The soul can only take so much. Romeo received death threats every day. They were part of the business. Most of them were empty ones, but not this time. Romeo and I were walking down Fifth Avenue. It was early evening and warm. The station Romeo worked for had hired me to be his bodyguard, at least until the lunatic with a record for attempted murder could be found and arrested. The sidewalks were crowded. I looked at every face. Yo, Romeo, you're awesome, man. Thanks. It was easy money. Romeo turned out to be a surprisingly normal guy. He was middle-aged, well-dressed, and fat. How much of what you do is an act? In terms of what I say on the air, I'd say 100%. Am I screaming now? You have to scream when you're in front of the mic. You have to rant and rave and foam. Shrinking violets don't get ratings. In terms of what I say, the actual content, I mean it. I'm an American. That's not something I take for granted. I nodded. I wasn't smoking. My hands needed to be free. It wasn't hard, not at all. I looked at it like a break, and it gave me something to look forward to. Romeo, you punk! You right-wing fascist! I reached for my gun. The editorialist jaywalked, and drivers honked at him. Cross at the light, you F-word! F-U! Expletive! We walked. They call me fascist, they call me right-wing, they call me a communist, and they call me anti-union. They're morons, but what do I care? I get ratings. I get advertisers. I get bucks. It's nice not to have to worry about making car payments, you know? I nodded. How did you get started? I was a butcher for 20 years. Two years two decades of coming home with blood on my arms, no matter how much I washed up at the shop. I'd always wanted to try broadcasting. It was always in the back of my mind, you know. But life, you gotta go for your dreams when you're young and don't have responsibilities. I listened to some of these guys at work. I thought I can do that. I can do better. So I made some tapes and I sent them out. I must have sent out a thousand tapes and they were professionally done, but they don't come cheap. I'd started, I started forgetting things like my wife's birthday or I'd remember and all I could afford was some crappy piece of cheap jewelry. She left me. She took the kids, but that didn't matter because they were almost out of high school and hated my guts anyway especially now. I have three adult kids, and they're all communists. Can you believe that? Once they get married and have kids of their own and see how much the government takes from them, they'll see. If you're a communist after 30, you really are a moron. I smiled. I liked listening to success stories. You can smoke when you get home, Lee. Now I'm a celebrity. Can you believe that? Me, a fat butcher who didn't even graduate high school. Can you believe that? I went to my counselor, and he called me an idiot. What kind of counselor is that? I was too chicken, S-word, to report him. Man, that's one of my life's regrets. Well, they'd probably fire him now. Effing right. He was he was in the right job. He had the gift slash curse of the gab. Anyway, I make more money in a year than he will in his lifetime. Probably retired now. And I'm paying his pension. So are you. Does that sound right to you, Hacklin? It doesn't sound right to me, Romeo. I'm sorry. You're trying to do your job. And I can't stop talking, even when I'm not working. It's all right, Romeo. You're good company. Really? That's a swell thing to say. The feeling's mutual. A man approached us. He was tall, taller than me, slim and clad in a long black coat. He wore a black fedora and dark sunglasses, and there was a matchstick sticking out of his mouth. Inconspicuous. Almost missed him. I wondered if he had trouble seeing. His hands were deep in his coat pockets. One of them was futzing around for something. Gee, I wonder what. Romeo pointed at him and talked quickly. He talked with what I imagined was his voice before puberty. That's him, that's him. That's the guy who wants to murder me, and he's actually going to try and do it, that F-word. It was exactly what I told him not to do but I forgave him. Most people are not used to this sort of thing. A few are. A few like me. Slouch Hat, whose real name was Ray Nichols, pulled out a butcher's knife. Well, he'd done his homework. Maybe it was intended to be ironic. I shot him in the nose. 
The bullet destroyed his face and his life. Against all odds, the sunglasses survived. Quality product, durable. Screams, panic, chaos, story of my life. I dropped my gun and raised my hands as high as I could reach. A cop tackled me. He must have weighed 250 pounds, all muscle. A lot of cops know me, or they've heard of me, and this one was no different. He looked at my license like there was a huge booger on it. Hacklin, again. Do you think you can go 24 hours without murdering somebody? I would like a cigarette. Oh, be my guest. Smoke, smoke. Allow me to light it for you, kind citizen. He did. I inhaled. Bliss. The sooner cancer gobbles up your lungs, the sooner New York becomes a livable city again. I love cops. There was a stink in the air. I looked at Romeo. He grinned. Sorry, guys. I pooped my pants. And that's the end of Lee Hackland, 1970s private investigator in Deeds Not Words. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and don't forget, God loves you. And so does Johnny.